sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Glad to be here with you on a Saturday morning. Good morning. Ashley Frasca hosting Green and Growing just for one more hour. I am off early at 8 a.m. for the pregame and the tailgate show for the University of Georgia Bulldogs. They are hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks today. Kickoff is at noon, so all of the pregame and tailgate coverage begins right here on your home of the dogs at 8 a.m. And if you're listening to this and you plan on going to the game today, get up out of bed. Get ready because Coach Kirby Smart has asked that we show up, show up on time, show up early, make that stadium loud because it's going to be a little bit of a tough contest against the uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. I almost said Arizona. I went to the University of Georgia. I'm familiar with all of the conference schools. I'm just a little slow this morning. But nevertheless, so uh, number two ranked Georgia Bulldogs versus the number eight Arkansas Razorbacks. 404-872-0750 is the number. Have time to take your calls right now. Any garden questions or things you're seeing that you're just maybe not sure what they are or what to do about them. And I love that in the last hour um, we did have, I think Daniel called. No, it was Denny. It was Denny about mimosa weed, chamber bitter, which is a common one that you're seeing. Um, the best advice I gave Denny was a pre-emergent timed properly in the spring next year to get ahead of it. Manual removal is effective, but it's going to take you a while to pull all of it out. Certainly um, using glyphosate is a possibility, but I try to have that be a last resort of, you know, recommending. But if you're going to use a post-emergent, like spraying it with something, it's best to use like a broadleaf weed killer early on when it's young. Get to it early. Um, and anything that's a three-way chemical, if it has tri in the name, if it has 2,4-D, something like that is going to be an effective post-emergent herbicide for chamber bitter mimosa weed. I just felt bad that I didn't throw out chamber bitter. That's more of a common name for it as well. So the Joro spider, a lot of you are seeing that right now. Interesting that it was first identified and spotted here in Georgia about six or seven years ago, and it is thought to have come over from East Asia. A lot of the invasive things that we don't want in the Asian longhorn beetle, all these kinds of things, come from Asia. And how that happens, as anyone's guess, uh, could be a shipping container, who knows, and the guy just hitchhiked and made the ride over, but first spotted like in northeast Georgia, almost like the Brazelton area. And a lot of you are seeing them and researchers and entomologists at the University of Georgia say they're not going anywhere. So it's not like you're going to be able to eradicate them. I um, mean, they can be confused with an orb weaver. When I was looking up the different kinds of spiders, an orb weaver has yellow as well, but their bodies aren't as big. And the female Joro spider, her torso has a lot of yellow on it and more defined yellow and black stripes on her legs. The male isn't as big, but the female is likely what you see. We actually saw some at my tennis match Thursday morning out in East Cobb, and the ladies were kind of freaking out because the web was huge coming off of this tree between the lower tree limb and the shrubs below. And they were like, oh, we need to kill it. We need to knock it down. Not really. The ones that I've seen, I've just left alone. Um, so far, it's been found that they're not really having a negative impact on our native spiders. And actually, they're they're kind of helping us out a little bit. Um, they're getting to marmalated stink bugs, mosquitoes, that kind of thing. So they're actually kind of catching those, biting flies. 
Um, so leave them. And honestly, the females die off in a couple of months anyways. Um, the only thing that is left behind, of course, is the eggs. And those are going to hatch in the spring and be a little bit of a pain for us for sure. But it was interesting posting something about that on the Facebook page. When you search Facebook Green and Growing WSB, uh, Rob was like, come out to Lawrenceville. I saw about 50 this morning while I was out walking my dogs. And Michael said, they're all over my yard. They've built webs all over my front porch. Going to get a push broom and do some serious cleaning of their webs, which you can certainly do. If the webs are in a bad spot and you're worried about them, knock them down, step on the spider. If they're out in nature and they're not bothering anybody, the webs are actually kind of pretty. Um, you could certainly leave them. And it's interesting. Susan said that the strength of the webs is amazing to her. Had one of the birches, her birch trees, totally pulled to the side because of the... Um, the strength of the web. So that's really interesting. Everybody has them in abundance. Like I said, they are bigger than an orb weaver. Um, so that may kind of be, you know, how you know the difference. Not really too much of a nuisance, not really harmful. And actually one of the entomologists at the University of Georgia has had one up her arm on her hand. They've got such small mouth parts, such small biting parts that they're not really going to do a whole lot of harm as far as, you know, Unless, I guess, if you run into the web and you get one on your face. 404-872-0750. So you know every week, part of the show, Walter Wonders, where we bring Walter Reeves back. And if you have any suggestions for timely things this time of year that you would love for Walter and I to talk about, things that might be helpful to you, feel free to suggest those to me on the Facebook page. Send me a message there or post it on the page, Green and Growing WSB. And usually at 8.30 is when we talk to Pike Nursery about what's going on in the nursery, what's best to plant right now, different ideas for landscaping, beautification, and additions to the to the yard. Uh, they will be coming along just as they did last Saturday at 7.30 this morning, a little early because of the Bulldogs game. And we're going to be talking with them. And that is always just so helpful, the advice that they have for us and the things that they share with us. So you want to stay tuned for that. And, of course, visit pikenursery.com. That's actually one of the resources, in addition to Walter's website, WalterReeves.com, Pike Nursery is where I go. Um, when you click over to the right side of the page, they have a calendar as well. Things you can be doing this time of year, right now, this very month, things you need to stay on top of. And I'm certainly going to be doing a segment here in a couple of weeks about spring flowering bulbs. Walter and I recently had a conversation about that. It's still a little early, but you're really getting ready to do that. The whole month of October is going to be a fantastic one to be able to put those bulbs in the ground now, set it and forget it, put a little mulch over them, and you're going to be really happy that you did. Come spring, everything is going to be just absolutely beautiful and in bloom. And timing it and staggering it out to where you've got the daffodils coming up first and then tulips. And unfortunately, tulips here are really more of an annual, right? They're just going to bloom that one time. And it's going to be really hard to uh, to overwinter them and make them come back another year. But that's well worth the investment. So 404-872-0750 is the number to get through to green and growing. And talking about what you do in your landscape, if you're overwhelmed and you want to tackle some projects, you need to do just one thing at a time. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I opened the program by talking about needing to aerate and seed my yard for fescue. That's probably my big project. Something timely needs to be done right now. It's best done right now. Um, you, of course, can overseed in the spring as well. But for fescue, that fall application is really, really important. And it's it's really necessary to aerate, too, especially if you've got compacted soil. If you're getting a lot of weeds and everything's just really tight, 
the top of that soil. Aeration is so important to really add oxygen to the soil, break things up. And the most important thing with laying seed is getting that good contact to that seed to soil contact so that the seed is washed in, has a depth, you know, to be able to go once you've aerated. And like I said, the moles are kind of doing that for me. The moles are tunneling in the yard and, and I don't know how that's going to counteract with with putting the seed down and the seed needing to stay in place and germinate but we'll see the next big project i have is to tear out some juniper some creeping juniper that of course the builder just threw in 20 years ago as far as you know erosion control and and that kind of thing but it's just um weeds pop up in it it's unsightly there's no way for me to get to the weeds in the juniper because then i'm afraid of the spiders and the snakes and whatever lives in the juniper so really pulling that up i don't know how deep I'm going to have to go to, to pull all that up, but we're, uh, we're well on our way. But nevertheless, you do these projects, you set out to do beautification and things in your, your yard for when you sell the house. You may not be in your forever home. And especially now, when you put the house on the market, you're probably going to get more than what you paid for it years ago. So uh, realestate.com has put out an article in the National Initiative for Consumer Horticulture that landscape return on investment can be as high as 150%. That's crazy. Landscape, landscaping projects, hardscape can raise the value of your property and ensure most more interest from home buyers. So it just goes beyond curb appeal, right? Um, homeowners during the pandemic shutdown looked out on, onto these uninspiring backyards. And it's so funny. When I started the show February of last year, we were just getting into all of that. And who knew that we would have all these people jump on the gardening bandwagon. And I love it. Houseplants, starting their own gardens, growing their own food. So the landscape industry just benefited from the stressful shutdown because people wanted to use the money that they were saving by not being able to go anywhere to make getaways and retreats and nice spots in their yard. And you may drive by some homes that have really cool tents and awnings and lighting and all of that kind of thing, fire pits. And that really is a good idea because for every, this is realestate.com article is saying for every dollar spent on upgrading your backyard or your outdoor space, a homeowner can expect to get back anywhere from 60 cents to $2 on that dollar. So you do the math on a half a million dollar home that can increase the value $75,000. So curb appeal draws you into the community, you know, kind of that neighborly thing. And it can also just reflect your personal style, which of course someone may come along and change if they buy your home, but that is something to think about. Plants can change all of that. You put in a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, a little bit of money, and it, it will really benefit you. So even if you're thinking about maybe selling in the spring, now is a great time to go ahead and plant trees and shrubs and install those things in the landscape. Uh, we've talked about some great ideas with Pike Nursery lately. Uh, Cliera is one of my new favorite shrubs. I think my tea olive is blooming right now. Of course, lower pedlum, Chinese fringe, if you get the right variety, it's not going to go all crazy and grow gangly and nine feet high. But lower pedlum is that really deep purple, soft kind of matte leaf. And it's right now getting ready to bloom with the pink kind of pom-pom flowers um, and trees, too. I mean, you could have just a couple of apple trees if you have the space. Something we don't want you to do, Bradford pears, don't do those. Um, but when you go to Pike Nursery, just all of the different choices, some dogwoods, things like that. It's very important with any of the fall installations that you're doing, whether it be shrubs or trees or something like that, ensuring the right planting depth, A, but also making sure you really pay attention. And the grass seed, too, irrigation so important, making sure everything gets watered 
very well in the beginning to help it establish. Now, we do have rain in the forecast coming up as early as tomorrow and even Monday and Tuesday. So, hey, why not get out there today? Just do it before noon because the kickoff, University of Georgia hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks, begins at noon or after the game. But who wants to do work after a football game, right? But nevertheless, good things to do. Give us a call. Here on Green and Growing, 404-872-0750. We'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape. You're listening to WSB. It's Scott Slade. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Time for an update on your weather. The complete forecast comes up in 10 minutes from meteorologist Christina Edwards. But right now, brought to you by Finley Roofing, partly cloudy and increasing clouds throughout the day, a high of 84. Scattered showers creep in tomorrow, high of 82. And then the temperatures are going to cool off beginning on Monday, but more rain. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Number one, if you're growing pumpkins, I want you to keep them mulched and be out there looking for squash bugs and vine borers. Otherwise, you're wasting your time if you get those guys. Number two, be composting. Use your leaves as they start to fall. Crush them up, put them in the compost bin, along with the things that are green, high in nitrogen, like kitchen scraps and grass clippings and plant pieces that are not diseased or haven't been treated with any herbicide. And number three, plant garlic. It's easy to do in Georgia. An unpeeled clove now through November. Pop them in the ground one to three inches deep, and you got to wait about uh, six or seven months before you can harvest it. 404-872-0750 is the number, and it says Dr. Joe. Is this the Dr. Joe Esposito? It is is I. Good morning. Good morning. Wow, how fun to hear you on a Saturday, and you're on Sundays, right? I'm on tomorrow night from 7 to 9, but I always listen to your show on Saturdays, and I said I had something maybe I can share with the listeners. I would love that, Dr. Joe. You go right ahead. Well, what I did years ago by accident, I had some old turmeric, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was good anymore, so I threw it into my garden just for compost. Oh. And it has grown beautifully. Now that's it cool, because can... it's from the ginger family, and I've got white ginger lilies, and I know turmeric grows beautifully here. Yes, and it creates these, I guess, turmeric lilies, and these beautiful white flowers, and it, it, it's a rhizoid, right? It grows underground and pops up elsewhere, and that's called a rhizoid? Rhizome. Rhizome. Yes, but that's uh, excellent. Now, what parts of the plant do you harvest to use? Uh, the root. And so just pull up a little bit of the root because it grows like crazy. You have plenty yeah. of it. Pull up the root, take it out. You can throw it in a smoothie. You can, of course, great for cooking. I made some uh, lentils the other day. I put some turmeric, you know, some ground up turmeric in there with some onions and garlic that you can grow in your backyard, too. And uh, it's spectacular, and it's beautiful to look at, too. Really easy to cut down in the winter, grows back up in the spring. Uh, it may get a little crazy, but it's really easy to pull up, too, and just move it if you want to. So yeah, just a little tip that I do. I and, and you can eat it. that. Yes, and you, it grows in abundance, so it's not like you're feeling bad for yanking it out. But do you, like, when you pull out the rhizome and the root, do you grind it a little bit to make the powder? Yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah, I, I puree it. So I put it in a food processor. I put it through a garlic press, actually, when I made my lentils. I just put it through a garlic, you know, a little garlic press to kind of break it up a little bit. Uh, but so good for you. Anti-inflammatory helps brain function. Uh, helps with even cancer now. Wow. They're showing some, some great studies with certain cancer. So it could look pretty, and you can uh, have something to eat. Dr. Joe, thank you so much, and it is so good to hear from you. I knew you would be an expert in what the health benefits of it are. That's incredible. Hey, have a great show tomorrow night, and I will encourage folks to call in to you 7 to 9 every Sunday night right here on WSB, right? 
That's my girl, Ashley. Thanks so much. Oh, I appreciate it. Always Bye. good to hear from you. Have a good Saturday. 404-872-0750. And coming up after the news break, Pike Nursery. And you want to hear what they have to share. Stay tuned. It's Ashley Frasca on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. We're in the home stretch here, less than half an hour to go on Green and Growing. I'm off the air at 8 a.m. to make way for the tailgate show and the pregame show for the UGA Bulldogs hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks today, Sanford Stadium in Athens, GA at noon. So all of your game day coverage all day long right here on your home of the dogs. And I'm very sorry if you are a Georgia state fan, a Georgia tech fan, because we're the home of the bulldogs. I'm a 2005 proud graduate from UGA and the Grady college of journalism. So go dogs. Uh, 404-872-0750. We've got Catherine on the line calling from Lilburn. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I currently, this summer we took some major landscaping in our yard and I had about 25 pine trees removed. So now we're in the process of, uh, we have sod, Bermuda sod in the front, fescue in the back. Mm -hmm. And somebody had mentioned that I might be watering my sod too much. Uh, My whole landscaping's on a slope. So I'm trying to water it accordingly so the water flows. Um, Can I water, is it possible to water it too much? It looks kind of like it's taking. I have several questions. the fescue in the back, is there anything else I have to do to it this fall? We did put down fertilizer before the landscaper put the seed down, and it's starting to come in quite nicely. And then once it's um, fully, once it's grown in, we can cut it. Then I'll fill in the, the brown spots or the patches that we missed. Uh-huh. And then my final question, between my house and my neighbors is a big island that had about 10 pine trees in that are all gone. They mulched them up, mm-hmm. and I had the landscapers remove the mulch. However, there's still some residual mulch, and I want to put some cypress trees in between there. I'm not sure what kind of cypress to put. I just wanted something without cones or dro- a lot of droppings. Okay. And I, I don't know if I need to amend the soil because pine trees were there previously. Okay, okay. So let me go ahead and start off with the sod question. You've got fescue in the back and what in the front? Yes, uh, uh, sod in the front and fescue in the back, yes. Okay. Is oh, it, Bermuda. Okay, perfect. And that is the split that a lot of folks do. We have a lot of trees here in Georgia, most of the time in your backyard. So for the fescue, if the seed's starting to come up really nicely, Catherine, that is really a good thing. Oftentimes, the landscape companies that do that seed for you will put pine straw or even wheat straw or something in the spots that are bare just to really hold the seed down. But at this point, if the seed's coming up and it's germinating and you're seeing the blades of grass, that's okay. I don't think there's anything you need to be doing to the fescue. The sod, it is possible to water it, you know, a bit too much. And I know it's hard to measure, well, one inch per week. They say one inch per week. Well, how do you really know? So as you're watering that sod, kind of a way to check yourself, like put maybe four to six identical containers, little, you know, dishes or whatever, randomly in the area where the sprinkler hits. 
and plastic cups. You can use anything like that. Let the sprinkler run for an hour. Start with that so we don't overdo it. Measure the depth of the water that's accumulated in each cup and then kind of figure out that way how long it's going to take to get to an inch of water in the spots that the sprinkler's hitting. Oftentimes, watering longer, less frequently is best. So with, with new grass, you probably do need to water every, you know, second, third day or whatever. You just don't want the soil at the top, the one-inch top of the soil to dry out. You don't want that when the seeds are really trying to germinate. But once you lay off and you're only doing it once a week, you let the sprinklers go for a long, long time, that's best. Best time to water, we always say, is in the morning, usually around 10 a.m., give or take a couple of hours on either side. And that's simply because it gives it the entire day to dry out. It's not going to introduce disease or anything. Whereas if you water at night, it's going into the nighttime and then the dew and all of that on top of that can really introduce some disease and fungus that you don't want on the lawn. But watering in the morning is best. It's easier on us too for at least home. If you have an automatic sprinkler system, really make sure you check that because it doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have a mind to know like coming up, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to have rain. So you're going to need to override the system so that doesn't come on automatically. So those are pretty good rules of thumb. Always check with your community and your city for any ordinances, you know, against watering and all of that. But I think a lot of that is kind of laxed into this time of year for sure. And also about the evergreens, um, there's a list on Walter's website for something that you want to plant. Like you said, maybe cypresses, arborvitae. There's a ton of good options. Um, go on WalterReeves.com and type in like privacy shrub, privacy hedge, something like that. He has got a really long list of great suggestions for you, things that are evergreen, things that are going to fill in quickly and maybe make for a nice screening. Even camellia. There are some varieties of camellia tree forms they get large, they keep the leaves on, they look beautiful. Those are a good idea, too, if maybe you don't want to go the, uh, the evergreen or the conifer route. So I hope that answered all of your questions, Catherine. Thank you so much for the call. And Daryl called in as well, driving a truck. Be careful out there, Daryl. Good morning. And just really quickly asked Corey, have Ashley cover fescue growing into my Bermuda. And that's really going to be a pain right now as the Bermuda starts to go dormant. You're going to see that bright green fescue sticking out like a sore thumb. So the best way to do that is using a non-selective weed killer, but that's also going to kill the Bermuda. So you've got to really wait until the Bermuda goes completely dormant. And then Walter's tip over the years, I always remember him saying, put a rag on a metal rake, spray the rag with the glyphosate Roundup product, and then just gently rake over and paint the spots of the fescue sprigs that are coming up out of the Bermuda. That way you're not spraying all over. There's no drift. There's none of that. So you're able to kind of right target the fescue in the Bermuda. But again, waiting until that warm season lawn goes dormant before you do that. And the stronger the Bermuda, Daryl, it's going to have the ability to choke out the fescue as well. So making sure you're fertilizing at the right time, strengthening that Bermuda, eventually it will win out. So Pike Nursery joins us at this time every Saturday, well, usually at 8.30, but here we are at 7.30 because we're going off the air early. Wanted to talk about fall lawn care tips. It's the best time to work on your lawn and make sure you have a healthy turf year-round, and we're getting ready for the spring, right? That's why, like, Catherine is seeding now and all that kind of thing. So you've got to know and identify if you have a cool season or a warm season grass. Cool season fescue actively grows fall into late spring it stays green right in those warm season lawns the things that are more apt to warmer climates bermuda zoysia centipede 
They all go dormant, turn brown in the wintertime. You only fertilize those grasses when they're in active growth. So I know right now there's winterizer products, you know, that are out on the market for your turf, but that has a fertilizer in it. So really don't be tempted to do that right now. But if you look for lawn food, maybe with the fescue, something with a lot of nitrogen, like pike lawn fertilizer, that's going to be good for fescue, especially like Catherine was a perfect example right there of having just done seed and having fertilizer down as well. Beat back the weeds to prevent winter weeds, poa annua, henbit, chickweed, all of that. We keep talking about a pre-emergent. Apply a pre-emergent herbicide, pike crabgrass preventer. It's not too late. It's later than, you know, ideal, but still a good time to do something like that. That can be done on the cool and the warm season grasses. And the weeds you've got now, I know you do. I said I've got cudweed and all these other things. Oh, my gosh, dayflower. Ugh. Um, somebody had chamber bitter that called the show earlier. Bonide Weed Beater Complete is one of those really good post-emergent products. Read the label. Bonide is great for broadleaf and all of that kind of thing. Kills existing weeds. Does have a little bit of pre-emergent in it that's going to prevent their return. Do not apply a pre-emergent to the fescue if you're seeding, though. So this is one of those things you got to make the decision. Do I want to seed fescue? Which, yes, now is a great time to do that. But then I'm going to have some spring and winter weeds. That's okay. You'll have another chance to apply a pre-emergent in the spring. Um, Seed versus sod. Seed is generally more budget-friendly. Sod gives instant results, but you've got to know the time of year. And obviously the nurseries and landscape businesses are going to have that in stock when the best time to sod is. So any of those questions... Bend the ears of the folks at Pike Nursery, and they've also got landscape architects that can help you out as well and kind of design a yard, maybe if you're looking at less grass, but installation planting of more beds and shrubs and ornamental grasses and things like that. You can have a designer design all of that and come out to your home. So all of that at pikenursery.com. You can find everything there, and you've heard my commercials too. It's pumpkin time. All you can carry pumpkins. That's always fun. Bring the strongest person in your house all you can carry pumpkins for $29.99, so that'll be fun. Maybe you can get a handful of, I don't know how many you can carry. I wouldn't be able to carry, but maybe five medium-sized orange pumpkins, but I don't know. My husband could probably carry eight or nine. So a good time at pikenursery.com. Thank you to them for the great notes about lawn care. Coming up, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, and an Atlanta staple that needs your help I want you to hear all about that. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Welcome back. Just a few more minutes to wrap things up here on Green and Growing. It's been a great show. Thank you very much to all of you for being here off the air an hour early this morning to make room for the University of Georgia Bulldogs, the tailgate show, the pregame show beginning right at 8 o'clock, kickoff at Sanford Stadium at noon, hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks. Green and Growing Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. One of my favorite parts of the show here. Number one, are you growing pumpkins like me? Well, keep them mulched to keep the weeds out. And scout for squash bugs and vine borers. It's best to avoid insecticides, though. Any remaining flowers on the vines, they need pollinators. 
Number two, now's a good time to be composting. The fall produces the perfect ingredients for compost. What is that? Leaves. Falling leaves easily break down into the soil. They add nutrients back, improving the soil quality and on and on. Just mulch over them with a mower, add them to the compost bin, and you've got to have that balance of greens, the things high in nitrogen, like the kitchen scraps and grass clippings and plant pieces, and brown material like those leaves, small limbs and cardboard. Those provide the carbon you need. And number three, plant garlic from an unpeeled clove. That's right. Now's the time of year to do it. It's easy to grow in the garden. You've got from now until November, and it's extremely frost-hardy. That's good news. It matures in early summer, though, so it's going to take up some real estate in the garden. Plant those cloves one to three inches deep, uh, the pointed part up, about six inches apart. The rows are usually planted 12 to 14 inches apart if you're doing more than a few cloves. Mulching helps protect from severe cold and also just conserves the moisture, irrigate immediately after planting. Okay, one more thing. Something I heard here on Atlanta's Morning News that is kind of just not set right with me. Who among us has enjoyed the Dogwood Festival over the last 80-some-odd years that it's been in Atlanta? Well, a public plea for financial help to keep Atlanta's longest-running festival alive. With details, it's WSB Cheryl Castro. The Atlanta Dogwood Festival and its eight-decade history is on the verge of becoming history itself. With the conditions of COVID and with people holding back, it's just been financially difficult to stay afloat. Executive Director Brian Hill says sponsorship, which provides nearly half the festival's budget, dropped significantly. He's making a public plea for corporate sponsors and individual donations. Cost this year being up by at least 30 percent. It was a time when we really did need public to step up. Hill says times are so tough, the festival is now selling its office space. Cheryl Castro, 95.5 WSB. I am bummed to hear that. So any of you that have businesses that could help support the Dogwood Festival, that would be a great thing to do. All right, got to wrap things up, make room for the Georgia Bulldogs. Go dogs! I have a fall garden clinic to get to, and I can't wait to tell you who's hosting it and all about it when I come back next Saturday. Have a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to Green and Growing. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.